Hello, Mizuka. Hello. How are you? I am all right. Just another day in the quarantine facilities. <laughs> day 10. <laughs> so, uh, for everyone listening, welcome to the third episode of the special quarantine season, uh, which is technically season three of 7 Million Bikes. If you've listened to previous episodes and you're coming back, thank you. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. You can go back and get previous episodes on 7millionbikes.com or on Facebook, uh, not Facebook, on uh, Spotify, iTunes, all the places you get your podcast. And you can also get updates on the Facebook page, which is 7 Million Bikes. So I'm Neil Mackay. I'm the host, as always. And today I have a special guest who is also a fellow quarantee <laughs> or an inmate. Um, and so... Just to give a bit of a background, well, first of all, like, thank you very much for joining us. We have Mazuka Yasuda. Mm-hmm. That's it. So, Mazuka, uh, actually, <laughs> this is uh, maybe the first time I've ever, my, for my wife and I, we both were saying yesterday, it's the first time we've ever connected with someone online and then met them in the real world. <laughs> um, so what happened was, if, if you've seen the Facebook page for 7 Million Bikes, when we first got here, we went on to Reddit and we did an AMA, which is an Ask Me Anything. And um, that that was um, that kind of blew up a bit. We got like lots of responses. And um, I actually had a few messages from like friends in the, around the world being like, did you guys do an AMA? We just saw it on Reddit. And then what happened was Mazuka was one of those people that read uh, AMA and was like, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. So she sent me a direct message saying, are you in quarantine in so-and-so? And I was like, yeah, that's us. She's like, I'm here as well. And so through that, she then connected with my wife on Instagram because my wife uses Instagram. I, d- I don't really use that. And we, we added her to a, we've got a quarantine WhatsApp group with a whole bunch of people as well. We're all trying to keep each other informed and helping each other. Um, and then after that was what about well we've been here for nine days I think that was how long ago like seven, a week ago maybe mm, yeah Something it was the like night that. before you guys came in yeah and we connected I think about a day or two after we got here and then finally last night when we were out for our evening stroll we finally encountered each other at a distance with masks on but we were able to finally meet each other so thank you for being uh, on the show, Mizuka. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. And this is also the first ever time I've done a phone interview. So we're using Skype. So uh, we'll see how this goes. Hopefully it works and hopefully the sound quality will be good for anyone listening. So Mizuka, tell us, uh, tell me and you know, tell everyone a little bit of a background. Basically, how did you end up in quarantine? Who are you? Where do you come from? And how did you end up here? So my name is Mizuka Yasuda. Um, I'm half Japanese, half Vietnamese. So I was born in Ho Chi Minh City with my parents and we live here. Um, I've been in the United States for school as a study abroad candidate. Um, and until recently, I was in Rochester, New York, um, home of Kodak, which I don't know if anyone knows, but yeah. Um, I was there for a couple while. Well, I was there for, I think it was my third year, and we were approaching our spring break. So this is going to be a, just to um, put it there that I, this is from a university student's perspective. I don't know how many like students you've interviewed. So um, you are the first yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, it's just a 
hopefully my naivete could be passed off. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we were going into spring break and um, we, well, we were in America and, well, I was in America and, you know, I heard about Corona around December and I knew my parents were in Vietnam and we hadn't really talked much about much much about it so I didn't think it was affecting it heavily although towards March we started hearing a lot more happening um my parents live on one of the major commercial roads and they were starting to tell me that a lot of the businesses were starting to close down and that this was going to be something a lot more serious and I think that's when I really ticked or it hit for me knowing that this is a very serious concern this was before WHO announced that it would be a pandemic um yeah and we were going into break and i had planned to go to japan with a partner of mine um in the second week of march and we had already planned this for six months ahead and we were super excited and didn't really think it would affect our trip but then we started seeing things being canceled online for places that we were going to go to in japan um, refunds and whatever, and we start getting anxious. My parents started telling me not to go, um, and it was really difficult because um, both of us were really excited and we had put in a, quite a bit of money towards this, you know, as students. But then, um, you know, the more we thought about it, it was it seemed more logical for us to not go to Japan, considering what was going down, even with the princess. Diamond, Diamond Princess um, cruise ship and all of that. So we canceled our trip and we ended up going to Montreal um, just for a short break for a week. Um, we went to Montreal and Quebec City. And honestly, it was probably the better choice that we did that um, just because we didn't have to worry as much about potential travel bans between Japan and um, Japan and the US because at this point, from the student's perspective, I was getting um, emails from our international student services at our college saying that they would highly advise us not to go to Japan and parts of Europe. This was probably before they released the um, travel ban from Europe between America and Europe. Um, and so things were just escalating while we were on this trip in Canada. Um, this was around then March 5th, is that right? If it's a, yeah, the travel was, was March 12th, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, this was in within the first week of March or second week of March. We were, mm. you know, watching the news roll in as it was just, <laughs> yeah, you know, just increasing in this immense like, speed. Um, every, the news was different every day. They had new information and it just started looking a, a lot more real, especially in the West. Um, and so by the time I came back, I started also receiving emails from my university saying that, okay, um, school will be extended for a week. Um, we're going to figure out how things are going to go. It might be just temporary. Don't worry about it. And then two days later, we had another email saying, okay, we're going to be um, shutting down temporarily. Um, if you are students who live on campus, you may come back, but try avoid being on campus. Um, and then a day or two later, again, we received another email saying, okay, you guys have to 
leave by April 5th. Please get rid of all your things. We are closing the university um, location for the entirety of the semester. Um, but can we even leave your stuff there. No, we couldn't leave our stuff there. Um, and they said they're going to, what is it? They are moving everything to online. And so we'll have online classes moving forward. Um, so we were actually thankful that, at least for my school, that we got a week break extension of uh, our spring break. Because without that time, I think it would have been a lot crazier. We were also given so much more time. And it's not even April 5th now to move things out of our dormitories um, and living quarters. So that was good. I heard that there were a lot of other friends of mine in bigger city schools and they were only given a three day notice, you know, from their first email of we're closing everything, everything's shutting down, we will be online, move out right now, please. And it was crazy. Um, I love how you got an email saying don't worry about it and then two days later it's pretty much <laughs> Like, oh, you should worry about it now. <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah, no, it definitely didn't feel right for sure. Um, and around about this time, we came back from Canada. We went by car, but we went back in from the Canadian border. Um, and I was actually stopped by the border. And I am not an American national. My partner is. So I started getting nervous, whether it was to do with my visa or is it a travel ban that we didn't hear of that may have changed in the last hour or so, but it was just a small mishap. Um, so thankfully it was okay. Um, we then, we got back though, and at that point my partner works for um, a IT company that's pretty global. Um, they're... The CEO of that company actually sent out a company-wide email saying that please work from home moving forward and have food stocked up for, you know, at least 45 days, you know, a month to two months. Um, and, you know, we didn't really think much of it until that, e well, I already started feeling worried, but my partner really like shifted gear after having received that email and said that, you know, I think this might be serious. Um, and his reasoning was that the CEO is on quite a few boards, um, executive boards with uh, President Trump. And so him having said something like that may mean that this is something that's a lot more serious. And so we hopped into the car and started our self-quarantine. I had a whole extra week of break at this point. Um, and my school wasn't completely shut down yet, but I, yeah, but we got onto the car and went for a quick grocery run. And this was the first time my parents messaged me saying that maybe I should consider going home. And I, I typically don't go home as much. Um, I only, since I've been studying abroad, I only go home once a year. Um, and it's only for short periods of time, like three weeks during winter break. So this would have been, you know, out of the ordinary. I do so to, you know, save a bit of money, um, try to use my resources in the U.S. But this was starting to feel a lot more real. And I think there was definitely an element of denial, you know, me being with my partner and feeling that it's probably a lot safer to stay in one place instead of going to airports as well. Um, but we still went out to the grocery store and it was really interesting because this was 
only the start of the toilet paper outbreak <laughs> in the U.S. Um, paper gate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we went to Whole Foods, which is slightly nicer of a place. Um, at this point, we were in Rhode Island, which is a state right below Massachusetts, sort of neighboring New York. Um, that's I love a very Rhode Island. I used to live there. Oh, you did? Where were you in? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, mostly kind of Wakefield, Narragansett area. Uh, oh, okay. I've got a lot of good friends in uh, Rhode Island. So if anyone's listening, hello. <laughs> oh my goodness, I love Providence. Providence is probably my yeah. most favorite city so far. Oh, cool. Yeah, but um, yeah, so we went to Whole Foods there. And you know that there's a lot of nice um, privileged folk around there. And there's a lot of people who uses that Whole Foods. And it was really interesting just seeing how crazy things were. They weren't limiting the amount of people who could go into supermarkets yet or the number of people who could go to supermarkets. Um, so we walked in and there were so many people. This was probably the first wave of um, people or working career people at the grocery store trying to hoard on stuff, probably because um, their company also sent out a company-wide email, much like the CEO of my partner. Um, and yeah, we, it was really funny. We went to the meat aisle and the package meats, and the only things that were remaining was $20 veal, you know, fancy game, um, or Cornish hens that were really, really small. Um, there's this woman. So you're going to have a, a bougie quarantine then? Yeah, for sure. And there's this woman just looking between the two and she picks up the tiny little packaged Cornish hen with her fingers and just kind of makes a face. And it's just <laughs> comical. Uh, yeah, and then we walked along a bit more into the produce section and, you know, there's an old couple and the woman is yelling at the man saying what do you mean there's no more asparagus or whatever they were talking about and there's a woman on the phone um actually there was low potatoes that's what it was she was saying what do you mean there's no potatoes and there were no potatoes for some reason i guess it's one of the produce that lasts longer so they were just hoarded all up um and then you know some people are on the phone um, they're talking, saying, yeah, the organic asparagus are all gone. Times are tough. And as comical as it is, and it's kind of ridiculous, it it's what we saw, you know. Um, so, yeah, but we were able to hoard quite a bit, and it was a month and a half. And at this point, I was talking to my partner, and we were saying, yeah, you know what, I should just probably stay here with you, limit the amount of travel for me, we're here safe, we have the stuff, we have the goods, um, so it should be fine, and I can just continue my education um, with my laptop if it's all online, but it just started escalating, my parents got more desperate, and they were saying, okay, you know what, there's a lot more travel bans happening here and there mm. probably um come home sooner don't and what date was that around do you remember um i could pull up my phone this was the weekend the second weekend of march so probably between yeah it all like shifted from 
13, 14, 15, 16. Yeah. Yeah. Which was about yeah, the same for us, yeah, when things really started changing quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, my parents were saying that I had to come home. Well, first it was maybe you should consider going home and then, oh, maybe you should contact the school and ask their administration what would happen with my visa status, with my education, had I left. Um, my father started saying things like as if um, I might not even go back to school for a whole nother year. And honestly, I don't know what to expect, but that is one of the you know, more serious um, scenarios that we could consider. So I wasn't sure about that and I had to ask, but it was the weekend. So I had an excuse to say, you know, I still have to ask the school, but it's going to take a while. But from one day to another, it was constantly, well, this is happening and that is happening. We have this new information. I have my own information, but where are they reading their information? And, you know, I mean, to a certain extent, you you know, you have those parents or family members who read all sorts of things online, uncertain of um, it being fact-checked or whatever. And, you know, that's not just them, but it, it could also be me and other of my peers, um, you know, just pretty much reading the article titles and not really reading the rest of the article sometimes. Um, yeah, short information span, a short, yeah, short attention span. That's the Gen Z problem, I suppose. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, it was really nerve wracking. And I think I knew my parents were right, but I was trying to reason why it would have been better that I stayed in one place. And my partner and I, kept saying that well we kept reading saying that like it's not affecting young people it only affects older people and you know two weeks i think later, everyone's you know, gone through those stages yeah you know in the beginning where i, I think and i've seen a, some funny videos about it. everyone goes through like denial in the beginning like oh, it's just the flu i mean i know i've gone through this you know oh, is it that big a deal you know and then it doesn't affect so many, I'm all going to be okay because I'm young, but you know, now we're starting to understand the full picture. It's not about us being young or, or whatnot. It's about protecting the people who are vulnerable. But I mean, in the beginning, yeah, you don't, you definitely don't really think about that too much. Yeah, no, no, no. I was, I think, um, I think it, the fact that we chose not to go to Japan was our first turning point of this is serious and then we really limited everything you know washed our hands made sure every time even from montreal um, we started doing that and you know hoarding the food and everything but eventually it just built up and um i still had some things i needed to bring with me to in order to do my work online so i had to return to campus regardless and i ended up saying that you know i had to go back monday morning so i did um, I booked a train immediately and I decided to go to the train instead of going to an airport just because I felt that it could be safer. Um, my train ride would be 10 hours or nine hours. Um, mm -hmm. but I generally sit in the same place and it's relatively clean mm -hmm. and I wouldn't really move anywhere. So, yeah, yeah. and there wouldn't be as much contact with other people for sure. Um, so I chose, I opted for the train, even though my parents told me I should have flown. Um, well, they actually don't know I took a train. They just knew that I went back. But right. I still, that was me trying to take measures, thinking that that's the right decision to do. Um, but I went back up and on that long train ride, 
know I had to go back and forth and my parents were adamant that I go home but that morning she my mom um, messaged saying maybe you should stay and you know I'm getting torn left and right throughout this entire weekend um, and eventually you know I bought the tickets it was a one-way trip I didn't know when I was gonna come back um, I my visa is actually gonna run out soon so technically it's okay it's a good thing that I can leave and maybe renew my visa um, but yeah so I bought the train well, I was gonna ask. Oh. oh sorry on you go oh I bought the ticket for that Thursday so I was coming back Monday packing everything that's when we re- that's also the date that I received the email saying that we should move everything off campus and that campus would be closed. So yeah, bought my tickets for, th- for to fly Thursday morning. I would arrive Monday night, pack everything Tuesday, Wednesday, and then be back. So you're saying? <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah, no, I mean, just it's just incredible listening to all of that and uh, empathizing with you know the the back and forth and the being torn on decisions and and so ultimately was it the was it the fact that your parents were worried and that you were worried that you may be locked out of Vietnam for a considerable period and then stranded in America or what what were the reasons that you were thinking of staying in the states like what what was the ultimate decision I guess and the factors involved in that? Mm-hmm. So I mean, I knew how serious things were going to be. But I understood that if I was still in the United States, my partner had offered that I could stay with them. I could just stay and work and study, um, develop on other things, maybe still apply for internships and I could still be there. You know, um, I have decent health insurance because I am automatically enrolled into insurance once I am a student. So. It wasn't going to be as bad. However, my parents started feeling that there weren't as measures um, set or infrastructure set into place in America as there were in Vietnam. You know, with these quarantine facilities, there's plenty of masks. Um, there's a lot of initiative. And, you know, this quarantine facility is free and they're doing tests. Yeah. So at this point, you know, I thought that it was fair that I should go home. The only thing was that if I left, I don't know if I could come back in. I also Mm -hmm. followed um, on the train ride. I tried to search for um, the I reached out to the national agency um, that works with offices that work with international students in America. Um, and they released a statement saying that they would not try to revoke our visas in this moment because it is difficult for everyone. Although they highly recommend, like they were saying that it might not be likely that if they left the country and needed to renew their visas that they could get the visa renewed because a lot of embassies are going to close are, and are, are probably closing um, and might not be open for quite some time. So that was definitely a worrisome thought because it's a visa that I need to get me back into the U.S. to finish my last year of my studies. Um, and so, so I you thought... you only got one more year left. Yeah, I have a year left, you know. Um, and, you know, food is, and everything is fine. I would still have my resources, and at least I would be in the same time zone as some of my peers, my professors, um, and other resources that I would like to use. But I would be 
slightly cut off of that if I came back to Vietnam. However, at the same time, you know, my parents were worried that, well, what if I can't even go back home? But I wasn't thinking that it would last until December, you know, at least the most I feel that this would have lasted was until October. And I would come home December regardless. So I think it, should, it would have died down then. I don't really return to Vietnam in the summer. So I didn't feel much of a moment of stress there. Although my parents were saying that, well, what if, like, think of, what is it? Think of the worst case possible is that I get caught and I die or something like that. And if my parents can't come into the U.S. because of travel bans or something happens to my parents and I can't go home, then what of then? And I think that really rung. Um, with me yeah but it was geez I mean that that's really worst case scenario (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. but but that's why I was saying that it's not affecting young people you know Mm. Um, and I was just trying to say that me going through you know flying from the U.S. to Vietnam I go through three major international airports so isn't that posing more of a risk like what does you know, that's not mm. really ideal is pretty much where I was coming from at that point. It's just, I yeah. sure, I, I would try, I would like to return. I think that would be better with that reason. But what am I going to get exposed to? And what if I bring that back to my parents? You know, there's yeah, that sense of guilt. Because that's where we, I think, and we talked about this when, when I recorded our episode, you know, with, on the our flight back, we were just terrified. We had gloves on. We, we I think I mentioned, we had our own little corner where we just stayed in because we didn't want to get the disease and then bring it back, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. but we have to get home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know I completely empathize. It's, it's pretty terrifying at that point, and especially if you're coming back to parents. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely a concern. So you, you made the decision. You got on the flight on the Thursday, which was the day before we got back. Mm-hmm. Um, what were you expecting then to come back to? So, um, I just knew that I was going to come back and they, well, I didn't know how, but I knew I was going to be at a facility, some quarantine center. Um, I didn't really do much research upon that because the moment I arrived back in Rochester to clear everything and put things away and you know, try to organize all of that, pack up my life over there, figure out storage and bring it there and, you know, pack everything to go home. It was, I didn't really look at the news then. I didn't really read much there. I didn't know of the updates. Um, and I was just going to let it happen as it does. You know, it, it's no point worrying because the outcome is still the same. Um, I can be a bit of a realist like that, which kind of helps. Um, Mm. but I just knew that I was going to be in quarantine center, but we just got on the flight and that was that, but it's actually interesting, um, from the Rochester airport to Newark airport in New Jersey, um, my, my flight was United Airlines and no one was wearing masks, maybe myself and like one or two other people, but the flight attendant, the cabin crew, nothing at all. They acted fairly normal the flight was pretty empty but it was okay um, we all had some kind of distance and then our, mm. my second flight from Newark to Narita airport was also United Airlines um, 
And there were a lot of Japanese cabin crew members, and they were all wearing their masks. And in comparison to the American cabin crew member,、um, in my section at least, the American Caucasian woman、um, was wearing a mask herself. It was not the same as the Japanese cabin crew members, but she was wearing a mask. And there was one male American cabin crew member, and he, he didn't really wear a mask, and he seemed just as he would be,、um, you know, all relaxed and very welcoming and smiling. Um, but on that flight, once we got seated, the Japanese cabin crew members actually tried to separate our seats、um, because it was still a fairly open, air, open、um, flight. So she moved some of us, saying that we should all sit far apart from each other, which is actually kind of great、um, that they did that. I think it's a good way to, you know, take that into their own hands. It wasn't really said on the PA system, but she would say. If you are next to each other, sit one person aside, or you over there. There's some seats over there. Please move over there, and you know all of that. So that's great. Yeah, they didn't yeah. do that on our flight at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we arrived in Japan, and there was so much more masks. New York Airport started showing some other masks too, and a lot of the entertainment and lounges were closed、um, at、mm. New York Airport. At the Japanese airport in Narita. There were actually still some lounges open. A few stores were open, but masks everywhere for sure. There's a lot more people,、um, and I was on the All Nippon Airway flight,、um, and actually on the PA system, they said that they had added something else, which was you know if you are coughing or sneezing, please don't let that splash around next to you, and please contain it. Um, which was was really funny to hear, especially when spoken in Japanese.、Um, it wasn't really said in English though in their translation, but、um, I thought it was an interesting thing that they added. And then, that's lucky for you, so I'm assuming you can speak Vietnamese, Japanese, and English. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to. That's pretty handy in the airport when they're giving giving out warnings in Japanese. Then. Mhm. Mhm. Um. But、yeah, so we got back, and at this point, I really I think it was just great to not be connected to the internet for a good moment <laughs> in the air,、um, just because all the I would all that it would do for me to read more news is just to let me understand, but it really doesn't help with how I feel about the situation and what is going to happen. I just know I'm going to be in quarantine. But my parents did message a few times here and there, saying, "Okay, it looks like you'll be quarantined for ten days." And then by the time I arrived, someone,、uh, some, one of them said, "Okay, so I see that apparently you can pay your way to be at a, ho- a hotel quarantine facility, or you're just gonna get put into some cor- quarantine facility. I don't know. Ask about it." Did、and、you? So did you? Your parents? Sorry, you, your parents said that to you before you got here, or? That's why I landed. No, that's why I landed. landed. Yeah. Because、yeah. um, we found、before. that out after, but when we already got here, that apparently a hotel was an option, but it was too late by that point. And also, I think we we read somewhere it was going to be like a hundred dollars a day, which when you if you're going to be here for fourteen days, that's a pretty huge expense. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Actually, my parents said that it would like my mom said if it's just twenty dollars a day, that's the most that she would go. 
You're right, right. Yeah. yeah, but my dad said, nah, it would be fine. But in the end, I didn't really have the chance to even ask about it. I was just equally as confused. And mm-hmm. it was late. I'd just rather go through the motions. How bad can it be, you know, paid or not paid? So um, I'm not too picky. So my parents... So, so you arrived at the airport and then... We I want assume to... you had a similar experience through, as us, apart from didn't have the drama of nearly being sent back on a flight because you're, you're, you have a Vietnamese passport, right? I do, I do, thankfully. Yeah, actually, that would have um, affected me at the Japanese airport had I not shown my Vietnamese passport. Um, because at the Japanese airport, once we, as soon as we landed, we were told that we should go to a transfer um, counter and or connecting flight counter to make sure that we have all the visas and everything because I'm sure they were trying to keep up with different countries' laws and helping make sure that they can take certain guests from different nationalities to the next country that they need to go to. So, um, so it was it was interesting. I never really had to do that when I, I've done a connection before in Narita, but I did. And then once we were trying to board at the gate, there were a lot of people getting stopped. And told to no way. yeah to getting told that they couldn't get on the plane or that they had to wait for a moment. There was probably 20 people standing around, and I was also one of them. But I just showed them what that I had my Vietnamese passport, and it yeah, worked yeah. out. But it that was, was our concern mm-hmm. that we were going to get stopped on the flight to even get here. But when we when we got to the desk, she went went through all of our documentation. She's like, "Yep, yep, you'll be fine." So we we at that point we were like, "Okay, it looks like we're going to get back to Vietnam," but we still were unsure what was going to happen next yeah it was really heartbreaking for sure they're just watching some other families who are vietnamese and not being able to um go home and you know some of them they were just begging to like let them go back but they don't have the vietnamese nationality anymore because they have a u.s passport and citizenship instead yeah so I'm surprised. So why why did you end up? How did you get put in quarantine then? Because even on the flight that we arrived on the day after you, we're well not 100% sure, but we're fairly certain that there was a lot of Vietnamese nationals on that flight were allowed to to go home and self isolate. Again, I'm not we're not 100% sure on that. So why were you not given the option then as a Vietnamese citizen to go home? Why were you directed straight to quarantine? Because I came from the U.S. at the right. by the time I was still in the U.S. preparing to go home, it was already on the list of places that was to be quarantined. The U.S. would have been, if you were from the U.S., my parents had last told me that I would be quarantined for 10 days. But by the time I got (laughs) here, went through the health department uh, or health officials, um, I was told that I had to be quarantined for the full 14 days. That's right, because the difference with our flight was coming from Australia, which wasn't on the list, so that would be why those people would have gotten through and gone home to quarantine or self-isolate. That that, that would have been the difference. So um, from our conversations online and through chat, um, we're both in the same facility. You're in the building that's just opposite ours, but it seems like we've had quite different experiences in terms of food, in terms of the information we've received, in terms of... Maybe you know, I don't know, living quarters are pretty similar, but do you want to explain to, to any of the listeners who've maybe listened to already me, the description that Adrian and I have given and with Anastasia of our experience in quarantine, how has that experience been for you? Um, so I think 
I guess we, everyone knows that this is a university dormitory that got makeshift into a quarantine facility. Um, we arrived fairly late and I couldn't really tell what that would look like. I've never been at a Vietnamese university before or a dorm um, here. So it was interesting just trying to get in. There weren't that much of us. There was probably two or three buses. They told us to leave our luggage, um, go in, write out some forms, had our temperatures taken, and they just sprayed, they hosed down our luggage in this meantime. It was really shocking when I went to get the back. It was drenched. Um, yeah, soaked in bleach, right? Yeah. Um, but I got to, I went in and, you know, I, I traveled solo. There's other few people who traveled solo. So I was surrounded by other ladies who, I don't know, we're, we're just in our own bubble. Um, but we try, we found each other and got to be in our own, in our room, the four of us. Um, so we've been in this room. It's been okay. Sorry. Just, could you repeat the question again? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm getting distracted as well. Cause we have people at the door right now asking questions and I'm like, oh, what do they want? Is it temperature? Is someone tested positive for COVID? Who knows what's going on? Uh, the question was, how has the quarantine been for you and how has it been different for us? So you, you talk about, you, you, we've talked about how there's the three of us here. Who's, who are you in a room with? Cause you said you are, you're with other solo travelers. Yeah. So, um, we weren't allowed to go up to a room until there was four people. Um, so it's me, a Vietnamese high schooler, but she was going to school in the U.S. and California. An older lady, probably between 60s and 70s. She was visiting family for six months in the U.S. I don't know where, but she came back. Um, and then a Malaysian slash Singaporean national who was here for work. Um, slightly older, probably in mid-20s. But it's the four of us. Um, yeah, we got to our rooms and you know, we weren't given anything. There's only straw mats on our bunk beds. We closed the door and just passed out for the night. Um, and honestly, we didn't know how many like how many people were here. There was only there's only three buses when we came, so the process was fairly fast, and we got to our room a little sooner than um, your building, actually. But we got here, and I couldn't sleep that night as much because I had jet lag, and I woke up, and I started seeing, you know, eight buses piling around the block of your guys' building, and that had continued all the way until morning. Um, and following to the next day, and there's so many people standing outside, so I think it was good that we didn't really have the experience. Um, I suspect that that's one of the things that was different, was that our building filled up fairly quickly, um, but without too much hassle. Um, but yeah, we woke up the next day and um, weren't sure where to go, but we knew that we needed to go somewhere to gather some information so we went down to the lobby where we um, filled out our forms and uh, saw that there were people just picking up stuff just bags of equipment and or whatever was needed so all of each of us had gotten a little you know supermarket bag filled with slippers one small pink towel kind of like a facial towel um, 
14 packets of shampoo, 14 packets of body wash. Um, for those of you who can't picture it, think of the little ketchup packets you get from McDonald's, but shampoo and body wash is in those. So that's, that's what we have. a great description. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that, all over. If, you've, if you're from Vietnam or you live in Vietnam, you know exactly what you're talking about. But other countries, we don't have them, right? <laughs> no. But that's amazing that you so that's one of the big differences because yeah i remember you told us you got this like package of things like shampoo towel slippers we got like nothing on the first night which is fine but we got nothing on the next day everything we got we luckily got through care packages so we had people send us cleaning supplies luckily we had some shampoo um anastasia had some slippers sent because she didn't have any footwear we didn't mention this on anastasia's podcast because she was on a business trip she literally only had really business clothes with her she does, didn't have like any clothes to just hang out in so i had to lend her a pair of shorts she got some t-shirts sent um so that was a that was a difference i remember when you said that you got all that stuff we were like what we didn't get any of that mm -hmm. yeah uh, we also had a toothpaste some of the bags came in toothbrush um I don't know if there's anything else, but I think that was the gist of it, and that came with breakfast. Um, and breakfast was great I that imagine, day. I imagine by the time we got here, they just run out of all of that stuff, which is which is fair enough because there was so many people coming. Um, and then, so from our communications on message stuff, so the food situation for for your building and for our building has been quite vastly different as well. We seem to get consistent meals there's never been a problem with them uh quite repetitive but that's fine um what what's the situation been with your meals because they seem it's not as good as ours from what we've been discussing well i feel like we yeah i'm also just really surprised because it seems like our building were the people that came first so we should have it equal or if not better or i don't know something like that but here we are and We've had breakfast almost every day, um, and there's a variety, actually. Um, it sounds like your guys' building has a lot of, you know, pork buns, bao, or whatever, but we've been yeah, having fun. one day. Every morning. <laughs> yeah, over here we've had rice porridge congee or rice noodle or... Um, one of the days we've had the option for bow, but I haven't seen that option since. We had banh mi one morning. Banh mi, we've not had banh mi ones. I'd love a banh mi. Rice cakes. Um, yeah, oh, Are actually. Are building? <laughs> speaking of banh mi, did you get any food when you are at the airport waiting to be put on a bus? We did, yeah, thanks. Okay. They, they broke open a bag of like croissants and milk and stuff so that yeah i mean that, in terms of that it's just been really impressive how prepared they are how much stuff they have for us anything about like repet repetition of food is, is i'm just joking because i'm just <laughs> grateful for what, for what we're getting but it's just quite funny that you're the building over and you've been getting a variety of stuff but then at the same time so you said a few times that your food has been come spoiled or, or yeah. unedible because it's out for too long whereas our food comes often it's either still warm or it, we've never had any spoiled food or anything like that that's right mm -hmm. so yeah food um yeah so it looks like our foods are coming from all sorts of places there's little stickers sometimes that you can find where it's coming from it's coming in you know big bags or whatnot but i think it might be because of the weather and that they're accommodating mm -hmm. a larger number of people that 
they might have to start cooking it much earlier. And so having that, you know, transported in these metal vans, it's heating up very quickly and things are arriving spoiled, actually. Yeah. It's kind of appalling. Um, apparently there's also like a radio system here in the building, but it's really hard to see it or hard to hear with the muffled tones. Um, I sometimes have trouble picking up hearing some Vietnamese here and there and it's because I speak multiple but it's just it's a lot harder with the radio so I miss out on a, a few things but mm. for the first day Do it you seemed feel... yes why don't you go no you oh. continue okay so on the first day it seemed like we just went down to pick up everything which didn't seem quite as sanitary but you know we came down for breakfast lunch and dinner to pick up our stuff so we thought that was the norm but then we were told that from day two that we had to stay in our rooms and that food would be delivered to us. So that was really interesting. Um, and actually on day two, we started having a lot of you know, items that were spoiling, whether it was soups or vegetables, it was always one or the other. And it's kind of, you know, it's sour and it, you definitely know it's not right to eat. Um, but there's been a variety of, you know, we've had fish some days, um, cabbages or morning glory or um, pumpkin soup and watercress soup and pork or chicken. So there's been a wide variety. So that's been nice from time to time. Um, noodles. But day two or three, we did not really get to eat until well, we didn't even have lunch. Um, things started coming late or they didn't really tell us that we had to go down and pick up food ourselves. And so we were just stuck here, just hungry, and it was, it's been weird. Um, mm. and then day three, we they, never missed a meal. Yeah, no, we missed a meal. And, um, and day three, they started telling us that we couldn't go outside of our room at all because they had a high suspect. Um, there's a potential case from our flight that came with us. So they're waiting on results from them. Um, and so we couldn't even leave the room. So, but they at least gave us like a hotline that we can call and ask. So I've just been, and my roommates and I have just been calling to ask, do we pick up our food or do we go, or is it getting delivered? That's literally something I do now almost every day before a meal, just to check. Being able <laughs> Being able to speak Vietnamese, do you feel more informed? Do you feel you get more information? No, not really. Um, I think it's difficult because I can speak Vietnamese on the day-to-day, -day, but most of my education has been in English. So, you know, advanced languages like the term quarantine is something I had to learn being here. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot more... Uh, advanced vocabulary to do with the government or things that processes and systems and that has mm. been a bit of a challenge. Um, gotta learn a new type of Vietnamese, quarantine Vietnamese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and exactly. how did that feel when you found out that there could have been a potential case on your flight? Um, I wasn't surprised just because I've been following the um, Ministry of Health's website on all the cases um, that are coming in. And I saw that the same flight of mine for two days before had a case. Um, 
had a confirmed case the night before that and the night before that as well. So I felt that I was nervous, but I had a feeling that that would be the same for my flight too, that there might be someone. But mm-hmm. I've been following it since and really there's been no response. So I think my flight may have been able to skip out on a case. And you've been tested now, right? Like it took you a long time to get the first yeah. COVID test, right? Finally, it was yesterday. I came in last Saturday night or Friday night. Ten and days. Yeah, ten days, and I finally got my COVID test. Whereas you guys got it on Wednesday instead of Sunday. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And we've also now heard about that you need to have had two negative COVID tests before you leave. Have you heard this? No. Yeah. Well, I only heard from you guys last night. <laughs> So everyone hears from someone we don't no one knows really anything for sure but um exactly. so that's what we're now hoping that we get a second covid test soon so that we can uh that will cuz apparently we get a certificate when we leave to show we're negative so we're all going to get that framed and uh mm-hmm. show that <laughs> off to people Perfect. Oh actually, I was going to ask you guys, did you guys get your discharge paperwork? Cuz we have No, so we thing. Yeah, we're very jealous. So you should be discharged on Friday, right? And today yeah. is Monday. What was the discharge paperwork? Um, it basically just says your name, where you lived in the facility, and then if you want it to be dropped off and where you want it to be dropped off. Okay. Or if you're having someone pick you up, what date and when. But it had to be exactly 14 days. The only thing is, it says it has to be 14 days from the time you're here. And it's hard to understand because I didn't, could I just, it seemed like they weren't checking. So could I just have written like a day earlier? They wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> and they said it had to be in the morning or the afternoon. And I also also thought, well, I could always just say, get me out at 8 a.m. But I don't know. But they came yeah, around so to pick it up. So. Well, I think that um, that's good. That's enough. I think we've shared uh, your story. Thank you for sharing that. Because what I'm just finding so interesting is the more people you talk, everyone's just got their own story, which is always the case no matter what, but especially in this situation, um, no two stories are the same. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone's kind of gone through the same stages of, of you know, like you kind of mentioned, almost denial, then acceptance, and um, trying to figure things out. And then having competing and conflicting opinions and, and reading so much, I think that seems to be the same the world over. But overall, how how are you doing? Um, I think that it's a little bit more positive now, just waiting for a couple more days. I've been trying to stay optimistic, but, uh, you know, it's hard to do. So I think I'm on my 10th TV show, Don't Tell My Parents. <laughs> uh, which so, so what TV shows have you been watching? Share, share with the world. Everyone needs advice on what to watch. Oh, I... I caught up on Terrace House, which is a Japanese reality TV show, which is nothing like a typical American TV show, American reality TV show. Really fun. I highly suggest it's just a bunch of people living in a house together and in their day to day. And it's kind of wholesome. But I caught up with that. I watched um, Next in Fashion and other Oh, I started a little bit of travels with my father, which is a great kicker if um, 
you like to see what a potential relationship between a child and father could be when the father is that was Jack Whitehall? Yes. That's right. I haven't seen it, but yeah, I know the one. And have you watched Tiger King? Oh, I've heard about it, but I think I'm going to save it to watch with my mother. All right, you've got to watch that one. Now, we're going to finish with uh, some questions that I asked Adri and Anastasia yesterday, so I'm going to finish every uh, interview with these questions. If you're in quarantine, what's the first thing you're going to drink when you get out of quarantine? I just want some good Japanese green tea. I don't like drinking water for some reason. So I have just don't like drinking water. I know, I know. That's all we have here. (laughs) I know, it's the tastelessness of it. So I was surprised. I was excited when I saw that you guys had milk. We have lots of milk. They keep bringing us milk with every meal, and we don't. And it's sweet milk, so we can. We'll we'll bring you some milk. Yeah, no milk to come with our meals at all. Just soup, rice, and meat and veg. Yeah. I mean, I've had yeah, I've had some sugarcane juice and coconut that was delivered to me by my mom. So I think those were things I definitely really wanted to drink. But green tea's good for now. That was before the delivery stopped. Those were the heady days get deliveries mm-hmm. so we get green tea uh what's going to be the first thing you're going to eat when you leave oh i don't know <laughs> i don't know i think food has been pretty good so far so i'm not craving anything crazy but i think i'd like some fresh fruits um that's I've what got- we always said fresh fruits and vegetables yeah um What's the first thing you're going to do when you get home? I think um, shower and put away my laundry. <laughs> yep, same answer from us. I'm going to have to think of new questions. Everyone is going to say the same thing. Uh, and then last one is tell me something positive about this experience. Um, huh. I mean, I haven't really seen it as too negative. It just, now I get to be, I get to put that in my, you know, fun facts about me whenever they have those questions. Like, oh, give it a fun fact about yourself. And I'm like, I was in a government-owned quarantine facility. You'll never get old. 30 years from now, you'll still be bringing that out, won't you? Oh, yeah, no, my grandchildren would hate it. Yeah. Sure. Like Granny, we've heard this story before. We know, we know. Yeah. And you can't really complain too much. It's like they brought me three meals a day. They brought me water. I had my cell phone. It's not really like a. It's not really a war story, is it? No, I mean there's been Wi-Fi too. Although it's yeah. not been great since you guys arrived. when we got here i know well thank you very much i think we've uh, we've nearly chatted for about an hour so um that is awesome i appreciate you uh, sharing your story um and uh, we'll bring you over some milk as soon as we can (laughs) thank you all right have a good day and good luck you've got four days left right so hopefully you'll get out on friday yep see you guys then and we'll see you on the outside once this is all over we're going to meet up for a, a big party and a drink oh definitely quarantine buddies <laughs> yeah, sure. all right
I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider, or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease, and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast. Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.